0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Man, we got a jam-packed show tonight, Eric. It's uh, Sunday, March 19th, and we, just, we have a lot to talk about.
2: Hey, Eric, how are you doing? Yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, if you hear any screaming in the background, that's just Zane trying to go to bed.
1: Yeah, he doesn't like going to
2: bed sometimes.
1: Yeah, Eric's toddler that is, is going to bed, and our kids are supposed to be in bed. Right, Paige? <laughs> yeah, okay. You need to go to bed. <laughs> okay, Paige is going to bed. Um, so, Eric, we got a lot to talk about. I, I amended the itinerary for tonight's show, and I promise you, uh, the folks um, up in Garrett County, we're going to get to the fracking um, and Hogan on that issue. Um, but two issues first take precedence, and I want to go right into it. Uh, State Senator Ron Young of Maryland's 3rd District, uh, Senate District, he held a town hall today um, at the Frederick li- – the Frederick City, City Library. And, Eric, uh, you, you missed um, two hours of basically playing Candyland because it was a fantasy. It was a fantasy.
2: Uh, did, well, did, did he say beforehand, please make sure you only ask me very easy questions like uh, Jan Gardner's communications director did before she went on the radio?
1: Oh yeah, is that the same lady that like follows us all over the, um, on on a minor detail and listens to our show?
2: Um, no, that's a different one. The, the whole cat executive office does, but uh, yeah, I mean, so it, <laughs> from from how you've described it, it sounds like it was that same thing, where it's basically like, here, come up here, be nice to me, toot my horn for me, um, and no real discussions or conversations. Yeah, there was some discussion,
1: and some of it was material. Some of it was substantive. It was Ron, Ron Young started out the event. Uh, it started at two o'clock PM and I give him credit for beginning on time. And he starts to talk about his staff and, uh, he, he, he's like, Oh, we have the greatest staff in the world. And that my chief of staff, I don't know his chief of staff. And she seems, she seems like a very nice lady and it, I, that whatever. But he has a new legislative assistant, but if you remember before, Eric, he has a he had a chief of staff or a legislative assistant aide whatnot who was just awful. I mean, she criticized people all over Facebook. She was in Jamie Raskins back pocket. She was nasty to constituents. She even told some constituents who were business owning constituents of Frederick City to get a job, and this is while she was playing on Facebook. During state time, where she should have been working on behalf of taxpayers, and I just wanted to stand up and say, "No, Ron Young, you do not have the greatest staff of all time." I've I've known your staff members, and trust me, they're really, really bad.
2: Wasn't so, she like the 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 Frederick County president of the Young Dems or something? Yeah, it Dominique. Oh yeah, something. She, she was a nasty, nasty, mean, terrible person. person. Yeah. Well, I don't want to see. <laughs> I don't want to say terrible person. However, she did give a lot of credit to Kathy
1: Avzali, who she invited to be the witness for her wedding back in July or August of 2015. And I just have to question, if you're inviting Kathy Avzali to be the witness at your wedding and you're a left-wing Democrat, then that transcends politics. It's just – I think it speaks – well, uh, let's just say that both of us, Eric, would never have Kathy Avzali be the witness at our wedding. Never. I wouldn't even invite Kathy
2: Avzali yeah. to my wedding. Well, I, look, I I wouldn't have a wedding period. Um, I'm done with weddings myself. But uh, you got one yeah. coming up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess may, it was was Dominique. I guess that was the uh, that was the one that uh, um, Kathy Avzali was so excited about her marrying a man instead of a woman. Um it, <laughs> yeah. it must be the same.
1: <laughs> she said that. That's funny. Um, and then. Uh, he was he was kind of bemused with the fact that he said and he said this. It's great to see people here from the opposite party. Uh, yeah, well played, Senator Young. Of course, people from the opposite party are going to come. It's not going to be a uh, a round robin shake Ron Young's hand and tell him pat him on the back and say, attaboy, the Town halls aren't supposed to be all flowers and sunshine and rainbows. You're supposed to be hit with hard questions and. I would say, for the most part, Ron Young answered the questions, and he he did a good job. And he's he's a congenial guy. I he he's a nice person, and there's nothing I, there's no catch that I can say. Oh, Ron Young's a bad guy, or you know, he's he's mean to constituents, or he doesn't listen. I can't say that. That that would not be true, but. I just vehemently disagree with him on policy and his general outlook and his political beliefs. Um, and he was talking about Mike Miller that told him to vote one time in the last seven years on a bill. And then he talked about sick leave, um, and then he made some comment about that he eats out a lot and that um, and this had to do with paid sick leave, that he doesn't want the cook. Sneezing on my food. He literally said that, Eric. I don't want the cook sneezing <laughs> on my food. Therefore, we need paid sick leave so the our restaurant workers can take off when they need be.
2: But there's already a lot I, I would think, okay, look, I'm not for government regulation, but I really hope there's some sort of health code that specifies that you know weight staff cannot sneeze on food before it goes out to be served. So, like, if there's um, already a law against it, then why why do we have to pass another law to make sure that the other law is actually being followed?
1: I worked in restaurants before, and I can promise you that if you're sick, the manager says, go home. We don't want you here. Like, if, if you're even sniffling at the outset of walking through the door, and, you know, and if you're loading up and uh, Airborne is falling out of your pockets, the manager's going to say, please don't come back. And I understand that these are... These are hourly employees that they rely on an hour-to-hour salary. Um, and, and their wages, that's how they make their money, through tips. Um, but I just thought that Senator Young's comment is a little superfluous. And its all, they always take it to the logic, or like to the extreme, right? It's always – it's a little bit of logic sprinkled in with a lot of hyperbole with these guys. And they make you – they draw in an emotional appeal, and I think that that's how – the left often operates on emotion, and we're on the exact opposite. And I think you and I, being libertarians, we operate on policy procedure. We have a written constitution that we follow, and it, everything follows from there. It's logical, right? And I don't Post, see that yeah. from 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 Ron Young. But um, and then we talked about. Um, he said we're going to stand by our immigrant community in Maryland. Um, the Oh, Mark Schaaf was there, so was Hayden Duke, Cindy Schaff, uh Darren Wingfield, our friend James Gross of the show. And James uh, Gross— Of course he was um, there. <laughs> at, oh, no, he was great. He he stood in the back, and he was very respectful. He asked a question, and he talked about um, the Second Amendment, and he he logically laid out a question that Ron Young attempted to answer— and then Ron Young sort of went off in this bizarre subpoint that um, back in the Wild Wild West you'd have to check your guns at the um, at the entrance. And then I asked if he like I sort of spoke out of turn and said, "Do you actually support this?" And he was like, "Yeah." He was like, "What?" And everybody was like yelling at me in, in the town hall. Hey. Like I was the I was a little bit of the provocateur. Uh, at this town hall and I didn't try to be it's just that I had some serious questions like I asked Ron Young called on me and I appreciate that he called on me and I asked him two questions why well, first I made a comment Eric and I still have it written down um and, and I'm pulling this out of my pocket right now and I said <laughs> I have one comment and two questions um and I he made some comment alluding to women getting their place finally Um, I I forget what what the context was, but nonetheless, I said that I was vehemently disappointed and mostly incredulous that the Senate Executive Nominations Committee voted down a qualified appointment and Wendy Peters for the Secretary of Planning. And I went on to say that this was nothing more than partisan hackery at best and a sleazy attempt to embarrass an incredibly popular governor at worst. And I asked him to comment. And then I went into another question about um, a heated exchange that he had with senator miller on the senate floor in which um miller basically admonished him um for speaking out against the impact of the paid sick leave on small businesses and i asked him why did you vote against amendments on the paid sick leave bill that would have better protected small businesses so he followed up to my one question about wendy peters saying that um well the senate executive nominations committee thinks that she's just unqualified because uh, she's not uh, she's not certified in planning, right? She's not a, a certified <laughs> planner. Right. So, and then I I said, you know, she's she was definitely qualified candidate. He didn't really get into in depth of that, um, and that didn't really draw much of a reaction from him. And then he explained the paid sick leave bill about small businesses, and he kind of went into a, a separate point. Um, I don't know. I lost him. At one point, I just – I stopped paying attention. But uh, Eric, Wendy Peters being voted down by the Senate Executive Nominations Committee was just partisanship run amok. Oh, he made the point to say, Eric, that it's unfair for me to say that it was a sleazy attempt to embarrass the governor when he – when several of the Democrats in Annapolis had supported many of Hogan's appointees. That yeah, most they supported of David looked-
2: Craig for this exact position two years ago, who was not a certified planner. Okay. I we we looked it up. He's a he is a history major. He he has a degree in history, he taught history, and then besides that, he has been elected at a bunch of positions out in Harford County. As you said, Ron Young voted to confirm Dave, um to confer- confirm David Craig. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It – uh, he he wasn't aware of past secretary of planning, past secretary appointments who were not certified planners. And I said, fine. I, at the conclusion of this town hall, then I'll give you a list. I actually didn't give him a list, but I will email, email him a list. In fact, I will email him
2: your article that you wrote. That was well done. Yeah, the article. Yeah, I was about to say the list is already there. Okay, and so you know the reality is is that there's been more um more people that had this department that were not certified planners than were certified planners. Yeah, And that's only in 1969.
1: The rest of the town hall got weird. Uh, they, They started talking about frogs and dissecting frogs. And one person laid out a very serious question about some bill that Ron Young has in that would prevent people from, I guess, dissecting animals in science classes I don't know, something like – they talked about this for like 10 minutes, and Kim and I just looked at each other. We're like, are you serious? What the hell are we talking about right now, dissecting fraud. Well, apparently everything's
2: perfect in Maryland because that took 10 minutes of the town hall to talk about.
1: Yeah, and then some, a caseworker in Frederick made a comment um, about Meals on Wheels and how evil the government, how evil the Trump administration is about eliminating the me- – like okay all right this is not something clearly that the private sector cannot handle and that it's evil of conservatives to possibly want to implement a constitutional budget right i mean i would love to see where i look i think meals on wheels is a great program um it would be nice to fund it if we had the money to fund it um but we keep um we keep shelling out millions and tr- trillions of dollars to um, building up our military into the military-industrial complex, we keep shelling out on money on endless wars, and we are spending money on just billions of do- wasting it at the Pentagon and various other sources. Eric, you and I could talk all night about eliminating entire departments in the federal government. And like I said on Facebook uh, earlier this week, look: <laughs> should the get should the when someone asks should the federal government no no, they shouldn't. No. No, the federal government shouldn't.
2: Yeah, and, and it's – see, we, we – we, the federal government budgets – well, just in government, period. We budget the opposite of what an individual does or what a financial planner or what a business does. So the government says, here, we're going to spend this much money. Let's try to figure out how to fund it. What they should be doing is the exact opposite. What should happen is you should have your baseline budget to do things like have a Navy – um you know, have like your your fund ha- have have your, your basics of what the government is supposed to do that's outlined in the constitution. And then at the end of the year, whatever money's left over, then you say, Okay, well hey, we got we got a trillion dollars left. All right. What are we gonna right. fund? And then they can have that argument. But see so we do it backwards. The government says we're gonna spend four trillion dollars and we're gonna print money until we have four trillion dollars to spend. Like right. and then we're gonna raise in interest line. rate last week. Exactly. So if we did it the other way around, I could give a shit less. I don't, I look, I would not care if the government was funding like um, studies into the dating habits of Brazilian lesbians living in Miami hmm. as long as we didn't have debt. <laughs> okay. Like simple as that. Okay. Wipe out the debt, stop wasting all the money, and then you won't hear me complain about what the government is funding.
1: So Ron Young went on to talk about the minimum wage somebody asked him where they are on the 15 15 on 15 and if you're not familiar with that it's basically a national movement to raise the minimum wage to 15 dollars an hour and ron young said well that's not fair it's not a minimum i don't support the minimum wage i support a living wage and that's always go right to the heartstrings they don't talk we're talking about they as in ron young and People who fundamentally misunderstand economics is that they don't understand that by raising the minimum wage, you're basically employing a lot of underskilled people who don't have the necessary and requisite skill set to meet that actual wage. So what happens? And this is what Ron Young said. I kid you not. This was the most interesting and incredible piece of this entire town hall. He said, I've never seen one study that shows increasing the minimum wage eliminates jobs. Eric he literally said this he
2: literally <laughs> I, I said this. he doesn't read he doesn't read the American Enterprise Institute the Cato Institute um, any like economic like journal or advisor whatsoever that's not in Chicago so yeah. obviously there's yeah there's his problem he,
1: he he offered up some story about a some pizza shop out in uh, on the west coast that this guy was the eminently against the minimum wage inside of a city, and it would affected him. I I can't, I can't remember what what city it was. Nonetheless, um, he said that um, that after they raised the minimum wage, that he was able to tain, maintain a better workforce because people want this. Yeah, people started showing up to work, and more people were, um, I, I guess, loyal to the company. That they had this living wage, and that he was able to hire more people, and then he had companies outside of this city, and then he ended up increasing, this business owner ended up increasing the minimum wage outside of this business. And that was the heartstrings, you know, tug at the old heart story about why we should, as a country, in fact, raise the minimum wage, except Ron Young never explained the economics of it. Has he ever been a business owner, Eric, to, to your knowledge?
2: No, he's just been a government stooge his entire life.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy has been in government longer than I have been alive. Like in the seventies.
2: Yeah, he's been in government since when my parents were in high school. Okay, he's been elected in (laughs) office. So, like that, there you go.
1: (laughs) And I'm not backing on Ron Young. There was there were positive points to today's discussion, but there was also fantasy land and it just he is a down the line liberal progressive that doesn't operate in what is uh, to its logical to policy's logical ending and you know basically saying that you know he he doesn't mind seeing frederick as a sanctuary city and we can talk about that we'll talk about that in a second uh he he wants to see an increase in wage now he does support Marijuana legalization and um, medicinal marijuana, good on him. That's something that we will yeah. stand with him. And he also well, supports abro- the. De- hey, the de-
2: Ryan, a, a broke clock is right twice a day. Yeah,
1: exactly. And Eric, you and I are always fair to people who support our policy issues that we care about, that we fully support, that we champion, that we advocate for, that we knock on doors for, that we support candidates through. And if you're behind us on a policy issue, trust me, we're going to stand right there with you like our good friend, as we always like to mention, David Moon. We, we disagree with David Moon on many issues, but we also support him on issues such as civil liberties, civil asset forfeiture reform, um, reforming our criminal justice system and when when a leader like David Moon steps out in the House of Delegates and supports legislation that overhauls these much-needed systems and gov government, we're going to stand up and say, "We
2: support you, and we're going to help them." Yeah, absolutely. And you know but again, you know the, the problem is is that overall, like you know there's only a handful of issues that we can really get behind a lot of these uh, you know these these socialist, communist progressives. They're down there in Annapolis. I mean, they're just running rampant. Like the, the the, I really wish they would just get more logical. You know, like I had a so I, I was poking around. Did you know that yeah. MIT actually has a they did they have a website that you can go look up um, a city and see what the living wage would be in that in that area? Okay, so I pulled yeah. up the one for like Frederick County, for example. Okay, so they you know the 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 rhetoric is you know a living wage is like fifteen dollars an hour. Okay. But that's only for one adult. So what happens if somebody is one adult and two kids? What happens if there's two adults but only one of them works? What if you have a working adult, a non working adult, and two kids? Depending on how many dependents you have and the work status, the living wage changes. So if you're a one adult with three kids, the living wage in Frederick County is forty three dollars an hour. So if yeah. we're gonna mandate a living wage, does that mean that some does that mean that your paycheck should be tied to basically circumstances that the, your employer has no control over, i.e. how many kids you have and how many adults you support.
0: Right. Right. And then
2: on the other hand, if you have a household with two adults, the living wage is $11 and 39 cents. (laughs) So, you know, should, should, should should their pay be less than one adult working? You know, it's, it's, and, and and here's the thing, Ryan, the entire concept being pushed by Ron Young and the beer brothers for this living wage stuff, it is straight legit communism. Okay. That's what it is. It's it's basically saying, like, okay, well you need this much money to survive, so we're gonna take it from this evil business owner and we're gonna stick it in your pocket and we're gonna arbitrarily decide how much they have to stick in there. Doesn't matter what your what your labor is worth. It matters what your what this value they assign to you as a person is and you have to get paid that much money.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, we could talk about the economics of this all night, but I want to get to one other issue that happened during this town hall there was There were a lot of mean people there, and this is not a a, a con there were no i i'm kidding there there were nice people that just happened to disagree with me, but were very passionate um and they're expressing their disagreement with me um yeah, I was a little bit of a rebel rouser today i Sometimes I do that, and sometimes I don't, but I had the intention of there to not to um, show up asking him softball questions, um, not to ask him how I can send nice little thank you notes with gift baskets and um, put little chocolates on his pillow at night I, I, I showed up there with the intention of asking him hard heading questions and wondering what am I getting for my taxpayer dollars, even though he's not my representative um you and I cover Frederick uh, in depth through minor detail, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be there today. But anyway, Karen Lewis-Young, Delegate Young, his wife who represents the city of Hagerstown – not the city of Hagerstown, the city of Frederick, she showed up I think midway through and maybe around 2.45, 3 o'clock, and this was shortly after, shortly after then I started recording – Uh, Ron Young speaking, and I I put it on Facebook Live, and you can watch the video on my page. So then she does something really weird. She kind of walks over and takes out her camera and starts exclusively photographing Kim and I as we were sitting there. (laughs) Like we were some sort of tyrant, terrorist, uh, interrupters – be just like shouldn't be there and then she i i called her out on facebook and i said you know why were you photographing me and she says well it only seems fair you were video recording my husband during this and I, <laughs> <laughs> are, you are you are you kidding me delegate young like and this is someone that i respect i, I respect her i like her she's a nice person but We're at a public building paid for with public taxpayer dollars. Your husband is a public official talking about a statewide issue, and he called the town hall himself. I'm quite surprised that the Frederick News Post wasn't there or that
2: uh, the local news station wasn't there. Um, You're going to expect people to record you. Yeah, that's that's called government accountability. That's like – geez. So so then she goes on to say, Eric…
1: Then she goes on to say, uh, later in the post, she responded saying, well, um, I was there, uh, and I wasn't there in my official capacity but as a spouse, and no, Delegate Young, you were there. You spoke and talked about a bill um, for like five minutes, I have it on video, and she says in the Facebook thread, I wasn't there in my official capacity. No, there's no such thing. There's not a alternate reality when you don't st- – when you step outside of your delegate duties. You are elected a state delegate. You're always a state delegate. You're not there on any other – Capacity. I mean you're a state delegate showing up to your husband's town hall. I mean we don't have a sign outside of the door that says delegate – Or Karen Lewis Young is here today not under the guise of uh, loving, compassionate wife. She's here as a state delegate. That's ridiculous. You are always a state delegate whether you like it or not. When you show up to these public events, you are still there in the capacity as being a state delegate.
2: Am I crazy to think that, Eric? Well, no, I, I- – clearly what it was and this is something that uh, both of them are opposing down in annapolis they just don't like being held accountable for what they say yeah. you know yeah. they're opposing broadcasting uh like the Florida debates right now aren't they uh like videoing uh, them that's what they don't want they don't want pe- they don't want the citizens to be able to see and and directly witness all of the crap that they spew when they're out there like all this you know the, the stuff about well, Wendy Peters wasn't certified as a planner, and then forgetting about his vote for David Craig. You know, that's that's what they don't want. You know, like the the you know Ron Young and Karen Lewis Young are the epitome of the ruling class political family.
1: Oh, okay, yeah,
2: they that, they, is, that is what they are. Okay, I can't and stand. Thing, and when, and
1: look, yeah, go ahead. Sorry,
2: I'm not. You know, they. I mean, you all, and I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything good or bad about anybody in the Young family, but, you know, they do – them and their children are all involved in politics. They've held elected office in <laughs> many instances. So whether or not you agree with th- their policies or their kids' policies, they are a political – a family dynasty of politics in Frederick County. And, like, yeah. so we should – you know, they should know. Uh, may, maybe it's because Ron Young was, a, was elected before the video camera had been invented. Okay, maybe that's why he's not used to being recorded when he's up there talking. All right, but well, it's th- this is this is basic. Like, deal with it. Okay, you're going to get recorded, and we're going to do it because obviously, you know, nobody at the Frederick News Post or WHAG or the Baltimore Sun, nobody decided that it was important enough to come out in video. So, you stepped in and did it, like Crime in well, the River. I
1: I assume that both of them are ardent readers of. And consumers of of our local media, which so also happens to be national media, and I can guarantee you they both read the Baltimore Sun and and the Washington Post. And I just want to say to Karen Lewis Young, I'm looking at a digital front of the Washington Post. And to you, Karen Lewis Young, I say Democracy Dies in Darkness. Because that is the subtitle under the Washington Post headline. And when you When you scurry away or when you flinch at a camera, I have to question why? Why? Why would you think that it's not okay for me to film you? Why would you express umbrage with me that it's not okay to film your husband, that I'm somehow – it's somehow provocative that I put out a camera and hold your husband accountable and hold him accountable for the decisions that he makes and his votes that he takes in Annapolis – of which are directly financed by my taxpayer dollars. These are your salaries that we're paying for. You owe it to us to be accountable. And I'm not saying that that's not what they're doing, but she flinched at that. And that makes me think, what's the real issue here? And Eric, two final points on his, um, I pulled, regarding the camera in the town hall, when I pulled out the camera, I, I, one person behind me was asking a question. And then this other dude walks up and gets up out of his seat, puts a coat over Kim, like puts it right, like was literally touching her, and hovering over her with the coat as to block me from recording. And I almost stood up. I mean, and I was uh, listen. You, you just don't mess with my family, all right? And you know me. I'm I can be hot-headed sometimes, but when you sometimes. mess with my family, yeah, sometimes, right? It's okay. I, I'm fully aware. I'm cognizant of of my. I'm cognizant uh, of my uh, of my te- I have a temper and that's okay. I have it under control. But when you when you do that, we, we got a problem. So then another goofball in the back that was sitting there said, "Oh, what are you gonna Breitbart us?" And I'm like, "What, dude? I hate Breitbart News. I are you, you're comparing me to Breitbart News?
2: Are you kidding me? I mean these lunatics, these left wing nuts. Seriously, Eric." There's a, well- It's intellectual. They're intellectually lazy. Like, you know, Mm. everybody I don't like is alt-right or Breitbart or (laughs) a Nazi, you know, like we'll talk about that later. But that's that's Yeah, we'll talk about that later. That's what you had.
1: All right. I wish you were there today. You would have had a lot of fun and I would have expected you to ask a question, Eric. But you didn't. Uh, You were you were at home being with family where you should have been. But you had me to go there and report on it. Um, I have some video up, and I wish I had the entire video. It would have been worth it. I was going to take my camera today, but I forgot that he was even having this town hall. And then um, Kim and I came back uh, this afternoon and said, oh, we should probably get up to Frederick. And then um, I just didn't have time to charge the camera. Otherwise, we would have posted the video to com. So, Eric, let's move on to the next big hot topic that is currently uh catching the attention of, um, news consumers. And that is that two two ho- two Rockville high school students were arrested on Thursday for allegedly raping a classmate at a school. And I'd ask him to call into the show, um, because she is very torn up about this and she and I have been talking about this all day. So, um, here's the facts of the story. Um, let's see on, March the 16th, yeah, a 14-year-old girl was pushed into a boy's bathroom at Rockville High School on Thursday morning and was raped by two other students uh, during the school hours, um, according to the Montgomery County District Court records. And then the police subsequently <laughs> excuse me, arrested two ninth graders, and here's the catch. Um, they were 18 and 17. One is named Henry Sanchez, and the other is... Jose Montano, if I'm butchering the name, I do apologize. They they were they appeared in court on Friday, um, and then they were held without bond. The the judge said that he believes they are a danger to society. Um, the the oh, no court,
2: kidding. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, the the court case, if you read it, the um, the statement of charges and the details by the victim, it is absolutely just it's horrific. And I can, I I, I barely could get through it about how horrible it was. Basically, they forced this 14-year-old girl into a bathroom, and they sodomized her, they raped her, they forced oral sex on her. um, And they put her, they put their hand over her mouth and told her to be quiet. um, And then they ran out. And then, you know, basically, they, they said that, they told police that they went into the restroom together to tell jokes. Are oh, you see, to tell jokes? Um, so they <coughs> they both denied it. Um, the girl eventually got out of the restroom and then she told a staff member. And then detectives interviewed the two boys, men, I should say, and found evidence in the bathroom, um, bodily fluids and whatnot that would corroborate probable uh, reaching probable cause to arrest them. Um, So Sanchez, who is 18 years old, Henry Sanchez, 18 years old, Eric, and a ninth grader, a ninth ninth grade at Rockville, he's a native of Guatemala, and he arrived in the United States, um, according to the Washington Post, about seven months ago, and he has a pending alien removal case against him, court officials
2: said. Well, um, translate that, Ryan. Transl- say what that actually well, means, not the so legal bull crap that the Washington Post put on their article. Um, well, it, we will it actually it. But means. I just, okay, go
1: ahead. I just want to finish the story. I, I, I apologize, Eric. I just want to get through this story. Um, Montano, the other boy who is 17, um, he's been in the United States for about eight months. Um, let's see. Uh, they're being represented by a public defender. And they were both charged with first degree rape and two counts of first degree sexual assault. Their address was one of the boys' address was not provided by police. Um, and then the other boy lives with, I believe, his father somewhere in Montgomery County in a community called Aspen Hill. Um, the school system acknowledged the incident in a letter sent to parents Friday saying the alleged assailants were arrested at the school, which was about 1,300 students. Uh, the school system wrote, ensuring a safe, secure, and welcoming environment for all of our students is our top priority. Uh, the letter from Principal Billy Jean Benson said, our staff remains vigilant in monitoring our school. Um, I mean, Eric, I, I have I have my much better half on the line. Kim, um, you've been pretty upset about this. Kim, you and I have talked. And by the way, um, Kim is upstairs. <laughs> She can't be next to me. Yeah. So no. Kim, what do you what do you think?
3: Well, I think a lot. Um, first of all, why is there an eighteen year old enrolled as a ninth grader in Montgomery County schools? You're eighteen, you're an adult, you should be registered in night school. I'm sorry, you have no business. And for all those people who say, Oh, seniors turn eighteen Well, that's a little different. You've gone through 12 years or four years of high school, and you're turning 18 right before you graduate. This is an individual who's legally an adult and is sitting in a class with possibly older 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds. Obviously, that combination
0: isn't working.
3: Um, Yeah. I mean, and yes, they were both in ESOL classes because they don't speak English, but if you've been enrolled in ESOL for six months even, you should be able to speak some English. Why why can't they speak any English? Apparently, they can't speak any English. Um, That's a problem.
1: Eric, Eric, earlier you were saying that, let's translate something that I read from the Washington News report, I'm sorry, the Washington Post report on this, and it was... I, I I said a, a phrase, pending alien removal case, and I've had an argument with several of our leftist friends on Facebook today, <laughs> and I've been accused yeah. of all the way down the line of being insensitive to immigrants. I'm on an immigrant witch hunt that I am completely wrong on this, but Eric, isn't this a screening issue within our school system that if someone who is 18 years old, a man by legal definition, an adult male who applies to – take classes at Montgomery County Public Schools, why are they not held to the same background check or some sort of screening process that a teacher or a custodian or a paraprofessional is held to?
2: Isn't that
1: a, isn't that a no. fail on our school system?
2: No, no, no. This is, this, is, this is a much more systemic failure than that, Ryan. Okay, pending alien removal hearing. Okay, now think about this, all right? He's 18 years old, just barely turned 18. Okay, turn 18 within the last 11 months and 29 days. Okay, that means that this person was one of the people who benefited from deferred action for the the DACA executive order that Obama signed back in what, like 2012, 2013? Okay, basically this kid is here because President Obama signed an executive order saying we're not going to deport the children of illegal immigrants who spent the majority of their life here, okay? That's what this person is. So he probably had deferred action happen when he was 13, 14 years old. Mommy and daddy are here illegally.
1: No, he's only so been
3: he here seven months.
2: Yeah, he's only been here they for seven months.
1: Court
3: ever. officials confirmed that Milan entered the United States seven months ago from his native Guatemala. Okay, and then, then the that, other individual, individual has only been here about eight months. So they've both been here less than a year. So in less than okay, so a year, this person has already been tagged for an alien removal.
2: Yeah, and and so, okay, so they came here. So they're here illegally. They're pending deportation, okay? Then why the hell are they in our schools? Shouldn't they be, I don't know, like deported, okay? They're breaking yeah. the law one way or another. And then here's what gets my goat, and I know this gets your goat, Kim, Okay. We have Democrats parading around this country saying we need to ban guns because if it just saves one life, that makes it okay. We need to ban all guns because if it saves one life, it's worth it, okay? That is their rallying cry. That is their rhetoric all throughout the country. So here's an instance where if we enforced immigration law, we would have saved an innocent 14-year-old girl from going through probably most horrendous trauma that she will ever experience in her life. Yeah. If we'd enforced yeah. immigration law, right. she would not have had to live through this. So now yeah. we're in a situation where if we enforce immigration law, it could have, it could have actually saved one person's life and he ain't going to see a the single Democrat stand up and, and, and be logically oh, consistent. About it. No,
3: they well, won't. And here's the kicker. If I want to volunteer in Pages elementary school, or in Josh's elementary school, I have to hand them my license and they do it they run it. They run my license. But but an eighteen year old male who just got here from Guatemala, no checks. And you're sitting in yeah. class with fourteen year olds. And I'm sorry, I know people are gonna say, Well, you know, you're racist because they're they're immigrants no, I honestly wouldn't care if they were purple, if they were black, if they were white. But they're not.
0: So, so here's the, the flip being, side.
3: How do a 17- and 18-year-old think? How how do they form in their minds? And I know the mind of 17- and 18-year-old males is just <clears throat> as screwed off as 17- and 18-year-old females. But how do you come to the conclusion, oh, hey, so-and-so is walking down the hall. Let's let's freaking gang rape her today. Let's pull her into the bathroom.
1: I have two other issues. One is – the other side of this is that I have a friend on Facebook who is saying to me that our diverse immigrant community should not suffer as a whole for the crimes of the other. um, And are we really going to use this to compromise our international scientific and research and academic community and – in, in our counties, don't be fools. And then she went on to say, um, basically, that I am on a, uh, a witch hunt, that rape is rape, that immigration status here is immaterial, that um, t- 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 she said, you know, blah, blah. I, I'm just reading this thread. Yeah. It's silliness.
2: Yeah. And yeah. It's so boring. then she Ryan, basically – it's, it's so easy, Ryan. Replace immigrants – with anything else that Democrats want to ban, okay, raw milk or guns or vaping, whatever the hell it is, and then t- and then ask them, does it still apply? And the answer will be no.
1: Well, yeah, and they, you know, she went on to say how many 18-year-olds were in Maryland high schools when you checked, Ryan. And so, uh, my my point is is that let's let's go back to the procedural here of our school system and that. Uh, where, did the, where did the breakdown occur? Where did, how could we have prevented this issue? And that's the heart of this. How could we have prevented a 14-year-old girl in this situation being raped at that time by those two individuals? And so my question is, number one, did the school system do its due diligence in checking out this student before they allowed him, an 18-year-old inside of our classrooms, did they do their due diligence, and that that will likely come out. That w- that will be investigated, and we will have a discussion on that. And number two, if someone has a pending pending alien immigration case against them through ICE, which is a federal issue here, who now they're being held on retainer, I guess under the uh, you know with the real possibility of being sent back to. Guatemala. When
3: he, when he's released they, from bail or from jail, he the ICE will come pick him up. That is how it goes. He's in jail until his court date for his arraignment on the thirty first.
1: Eric, am I being insensitive here? Am I am I missing the point that it's not about immigration status, but is it's instead about rapist rape that their their immigration status or um, you know. <laughs> I, is that is that immaterial to this discussion? I, am I wrong?
2: No, the, no, no. The immigration status is absolutely relevant, okay, because it's the exact same situation as the Kate Steinle murder, okay. Basically, mm-hmm. the government ignored enforcing one law, and then here, and then the person who had broken the law breaks another one. It's the exact same principle as the Nall prosecute project that you always see in Baltimore, okay, where you've got these guys who run around and they have, you know, they're they're armed robbery, possession of handgun, you know, et cetera. They're basically committing multiple felonies, and the charges get dropped. And then 10 years later, they end up murdering somebody, or they murder a couple of people in Baltimore, and then they finally get arrested and go to jail. Okay, what we're seeing here, this is just an extension. It's just a, it's the same principle of the government is intentionally not enforcing the law, and then there's side effects because of that lack of enforcement. And you were on to something earlier, Ryan. I think if I was the family of this little girl, I would file a $500 million lawsuit against Montgomery County and Montgomery County Public Schools for not doing their due diligence in housing these students and protecting these students with their sanctuary county bullcrap and allowing them in a class with a bunch of freshmen. Okay. You are you are right. I think a good lawyer could win that lawsuit and really send a solid message about, you know, like we're not going to let this happen anymore. If you're not going to enforce the law and then the person that should have been in jail or shouldn't be in this country does something else, then the government should be held accountable for it. I want to bring this back oh, name to the Ike, young girl. Name Ike Leggett I- in the damn lawsuit too. Take his money. I want to bring
1: this well, back Montgomery. The they
3: don't check schools don't check any immigration status. You just enroll. They don't they I want ask to bring this no
1: back questions. to to the young girl who was brutally raped and and in, in no way shape or form are we overlooking that this young girl and as you said Eric and Kim have suffered an unimaginable horrific life altering tragedy that she will likely n- never I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong in She'll saying recover, this,
3: but, but she won't ever, I mean, that will live with her I mean, how every could, day for the rest of her life.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is something that is going to dramatically affect the course of her life. Um, and what these two men allegedly did to her in that restroom, I, I mean, I, I just can't even think about it. It makes me sick to my stomach because you and I, Kim, have a 10-year-old daughter uh, that it could have been – it could have been any one of our children, and this young girl and her family. Um, I, you know, I, I just, my heart goes out to them. I don't really have any combination of words that will possibly assuage anyone's concerns or fears or help anyone understand this better. But it's our job to talk about it and to put it out there. And to ask these questions. And my question for the Montgomery County public school system at this juncture is, why have you been so silent? When will you hold a press conference? When do you get out in front of this? When are the police, the county councilmen, the school board, and our our superintendent of schools, Dr. Jack Smith, when are they going to stand out in front of that school system and say, this is the problem. Here's what we're doing to fix it. And this is what we're helping to do with parents, and this is what we're going to do. Kim, Eric, we have not seen that. Their silence is deafening. And if we don't hear something by tomorrow, I'm telling you, I'm going to show up to the school system at the administrative offices and demand to speak with the superintendent. I'm not kidding. I mean how can we trust our school system to protect our children when they can't even make a basic statement to parents that this is this is what we're doing to rectify this situation I, I don't understand I'm abs- I'm I'm like beside myself on this issue
3: Well nothing went out I mean granted right now we don't have a child in high school we have middle and elementary school but I have friends who have kids in in Montgomery County high schools, nothing has gone out to them. There's been no letter from any principal, you know, saying, yes, there was a horrific incident. We need to look in, you know, even if you don't have really anything to say, you still need to say something and say, we're going to look into this. We're going to, you know, come up with ways to, you know, we're going to discuss this at a later date. We need to get so, more information. There's been nothing at all. Well, they, Eric and Kim they released a the
1: statement they released a statement saying ensuring a safe secure and welcoming learning environment for all of our students is our top priority this was written by the principal our staff remains vigilant and the monitoring of our school each and every day i am sorry that statement doesn't cut it does it cut it for you eric if your two children were in that school would that statement that two sentence statement would it cut it for you eric still with us
3: oh.
2: Oh. oh yeah i was on mute sorry i was just i was oh, through right. a beautiful thing here um <laughs> no um look if if this happened to my kids like what i would do was not even appropriate for internet radio um yeah, yeah i okay what it, honestly the only statement to me that would bring any solace is that these jackasses are going to sit in the electric chair and so it, no. in my opinion, if the school district isn't going to say that, then they just need to shut the hell up and start and, – and stop protecting illegal immigrants they are going to commit crimes. Simple as that. This is 100 percent on them. So I
1: agree with wow. you. I do believe in due process. I believe that these um, – but then again – Here's my question, and and maybe this is out of sheer ignorance, and I don't know the answer to this question, and I probably should. And I I admit that if I sound unintelligent in asking this question, are these individuals um, who are in our country that I – assumingly have no legal American status, are they still afforded the same protections under the Constitution?
3: They shouldn't
1: be. That's a good question. No, they, I agree. I, they I don't, shouldn't be. I, I don't know the answer to that. So is due
3: process
1: under um, American jurisprudence, does that still apply to these individuals? And I don't know the answer to that. I probably should. And then someone like you, you and I, Eric, who discussed the Constitution ad nauseum, I don't know the answer to that. If somebody could tell me if these students are protected by the Constitution, um, by our Fifth Amendment, our... You know, are they given the presumption of innocence before being proven guilty in a court of law? I, I don't know the full situation there or how we classify. I guess we have to learn how their status is classified in our country at this point. Then we would have a better understanding of what their fundamental protections are. So that's, that's something that we have to, to unwind here and ask more questions, but I'm sure that the police will unwind that. I mean, Kim, do you want to I, – I, listen, why don't you take the final point on this, Kim? Um,
3: well, I think, I think Montgomery County Schools has a big job ahead of them on this. First of uh, all, they need – I mean, anybody who's sending their child to Rockville High School tomorrow, I mean, if as a female and as someone who has witnessed the rape of a very good, close friend, I would not honestly feel comfortable – Going to school again as as a female. I mean, I will honestly say that, and and I don't begrudge any, you know, teenage girl who feels that way. I mean, obviously, some something fell through the cracks at Rockville High School, and and my guess is, this is we're hearing about this one. You know, there probably are others that we didn't hear about, and I'm not saying these two individuals are related to any gang but the possibility is out there and ms-13 in montgomery county is very powerful um between maryland montgomery county and virginia i think there have been like 10 ms-13 arrests like within the past two months based on like four or five murders um i just i think First of all, Montgomery County needs to figure out how they're going to go forward on this. And then they need to break down rape for everyone because rape is not a crime about sex. It's a crime about control and taking control away from someone else so that you are the powerful person. You are the one who is in control of someone else. That's what rape is about. It's not about sex. It's not about getting off because they get off on the control, not the actual sex. Yeah. Um, but I think they need to educate our, our high school kids on that. And I have to say I'm glad that Ariana Kelly's bill made it through the first hurdle about consent and things like that. Not that, that. not that in, you know, rape, that's going to make a whole lot of difference. But maybe that goes a long way in starting this whole process. But if we're going to allow 18-year-olds in class as freshmen in high school, then there needs to be a background check. I'm sorry. If I have to show yeah. my license just to volunteer in my own child's school, then then an 18-year-old who's going to sit in class all day needs to do yeah. the same thing. There there needs to be something. This yeah. you know, obviously all of our kids are not safe, and you can't pick yeah. and choose who's going to be safe. Either they all are yeah. going to be safe or they're not.
1: All right, thanks Kim. Um I appreciate your input and thanks for calling in. It's a serious topic. Um, I imagine that much more will be released about this incident in Montgomery County public schools. We're going to follow it in a minor detail. It's important that we do follow it, and it's important that parents get some answers. It's, it's important for taxpayers get some answers because this is not what should be happening in our public schools, and it's incumbent upon us to ask the tough questions and to hold our elected officials, whatever school officials, accountable. So with that our friends in Garrett County have been waiting patiently to talk about fracking, and I know it's quite a segue from a, 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 a horrible incident um, to an environmental issue. But Eric and I, we're going to go ahead and, and, and tackle this. Kim, you can stay with us, and
3: uh, oh, that's okay. Fracking is not exactly my subject, so
1: okay, all right, I will. Well, all right.
3: Okay. I, I will. Although if I find something else, I'll, I'll call back in.
1: Oh, Kim, I'll see you upstairs in 35 minutes. Okay.
3: Okay,
1: all right. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. You guys are so cute. So, it's disgusting. I know. It's gross. Um, so on Friday, Maryland Governor Larry Hogan, he had he's called – it's interesting, this whole thing. He's called for a ban on hydraulic fra- fracturing in the state, um, and if people are asking what hydraulic fracking is, it's a controversial gas extraction method um, that is primarily – in maryland um, centered on up in um, western maryland and garrett and allegheny counties and it's a type of drilling that's been used commercially for i believe about 65 years and um, they employ these cutting-edge technologies for surging u.s and natural gas production it involves safely tapping shale and other tight rock formations by drilling a mile or more beneath the surface before turning horizontal and continuing several thousand feet more. Um, so it's it's, an, it's interesting, and it's, um, you know, some people argue that fracking is America's new energy revolution. Um, and then others on the environmental side um, say, well, I, I should go back to the pro-fracking. They say that up to 95% of natural gas wells drilled in the next decade will require, Eric, hydraulic fracking. Um, and it's also being well, used and to stimulate... And-
2: and Ryan, we need to quantify how large these natural gas deposits are. Okay? Yeah, they're Fracky huge. They're gives huge. us access to new areas of natural resources that we previously could mm-hmm. not drill into. So uh, the numbers that I've seen, for example, in Southern California, in the area between Bakersfield, Los Angeles, and Paso Robles, it's an area that I grew up in, um, there is a large frackable oil and natural gas formation there. It's estimated that there's three times more oil in that area than there is in the entire Middle East, and there is almost 10 times more natural gas than is present in the Middle East. The numbers that I've seen have said that there's enough natural gas in Southern California with fracking that we could power the entire United States for 100 years on natural gas alone. Well, Hogan, so that's who, who was... That's how much there.
1: Hogan has said in the past that he would support the practice, but and... Um, Then he, as the Post reported at a hastily called news conference on Friday, he said that he did not think that there was a way to frack safely, and therefore he would support a bill to ban the practice altogether. Hogan went on to say the possible environmental risks of fracking simply outweigh any potential benefits. This legislation, Hogan said, I believe is an important initiative to safeguard our environment If Maryland bans fracking, it would be the third state to do so, Eric, joining New York and Vermont. So basically the Democratic majority in Annapolis um, pretty much had this in the bag, and then anti-fracking activists demanded a Senate vote. In fact, there were some anti-fracking folks that went down to the state capitol and had the intention of being arrested for standing in front of the entranceway to the state capitol, and they were arrested for not – … for, I guess, disorderly conduct or refusing disrupting the peace. I don't know, but they were arrested, booked. Um, Mike Miller doesn't support fracking. Surprise, surprise. Oh, and I wanted to mention Delegate Wendell Beitzel, Republican from Garrett County, the westernmost delegate um, in the state of Maryland. Um, He's a strong – one of the the strongest opponents of the fracking ban – he said that he was very disappointed with the governor's move. Um, he said, I guess the war on Western Maryland is not over. So that is in direct contention with the governor, a Republican calling out the governor um, where there's a lot of folks up in Western Maryland and Garrett County. Eric, I got to tell you, when we were there um, for um, back in Garrett County um, during the fall and mid-October for um, their – Oakland it was like the Oakland days. I forget what the festival's called. Somebody will help me out, but anyway, yeah. they um there was several anti fracking folks. We walked with the Governor, Kim and I did, and a parade. We, we stood right next to him and stood right in front of him. We saw hundreds of people lining the streets. No joke, hundreds of people that were calling on him to ban fracking and i you know, I don't know I think Governor Hogan would have um he's going to win Garrett County politically, but. What do you think? He took a look at the polls or he took a look at, um, you know, how many people in Maryland um, do who do not support fracking and said, well, maybe I better get on board. This is what the constituents are telling me.
2: No, this is this is what Hogan did is he's basically counting on the fact that there's going to be some crazy far left socialist Democrat candidate for governor. So the people that live out in Garrett and Allegheny County will still vote for him in twenty (laughs) eighteen. And basically he's taking yet another issue away from Democrats. This is the same thing that Hogan did with the guns, with abortion, with all the social issues, with everything. So what uh, all Hogan's done for the last two and a half years is basically disarmed the Maryland Democratic Party. They don't have anything to attack him on. This is is (laughs) just the latest in it. Now, so what he's doing, this is what he's counting on. He's counting on the fact that Basically, people will be mad at him, but they'll still vote for him. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, but he's apparently to him, he thinks that it is a that he is going to gain more from opposing fracking than by supporting it. Yeah, and and it could also just be he realizes it's an exercise in futility too. He could just realize, well, you know what, the Democrats just override my veto anyways, so the same policy is going to happen. It's just a matter of what mechanism what does it look like as the policy gets enforced? You know, that could be what he's, what he's looking at. And let's be honest too, honestly, no company, you know, most of the formations in Maryland aren't really frackable. I mean, there's formations here in Frederick County and, and, you know, basically oil has got to be like $200 a barrel for it to be worth it. And so, you know, Maryland is, you know, Maryland is not Pennsylvania or Virginia. So we don't have nearly as much um, potential. There's not companies knocking at our door to come frack in Maryland. So he probably just calculated it as a risk, you know, it's, it's a smarter, I I think it's a smart move because now, you know, when, (laughs) you know, just like when Anthony Brown was like, you put it out the ads, like Hogan's going to put an assault rifle at every playground. Like he can literally just laugh about it, you know? So when Delaney does his like, you know, governor Hogan wants your tap water to light on fire, then Hogan's response could be like, Oh, but I oppose fracking. So what's the problem here? Um, (laughs) So it's the same strategy, and it's – I think it's going to work.
1: I mean, and I think the argument is is that it's environmentally unsound, that it it could potentially be hazardous to the water supply, that – I mean, it could be a multitude of issues. And listen, Eric, I'm not a fracking expert by any means. I, I know actually very little about the technology and have studied very little about the topic. Um, I mean, I've read several articles um, and tried, you know, to to best understand this process and the Marsala Shale um, and that it it is obviously admitted in our neighbors to the immediate north, uh, the northeast in Pennsylvania. And this is something that they're doing. But you're right. I think that Governor Hogan made a calculated political decision and people up in Garrett County are especially happy with this decision. Now, Eric, I. Uh, To to, to, to segue very quickly out, our wine-drinking friend, Catherine, is supposed to call in to talk about our (laughs) – the Frederick News Post um, at 646-716-5971, and she is late, and Catherine is rarely late, I suppose. So um, I hope that she does call in, and I I think she is listening. So we're going to be talking about the sale next of the Frederick News Post, but to finish the fracking discussion – you know, I'm, I I think that uh, a lot of people are very happy about this, and who, whomever that the Democrats choose to run against Hogan in 2018, whether it be what Ben Jealous, the NAACP guy, or that extreme <laughs> goofball over in Baltimore County, Kevin Kamenet, um you know, or Sharon Banker, look, if here's here's the smart move, if, if you're We're listening. Well, and I want to say this about – I want to say this about Delaney. If you're John Delaney, John Delaney is the best chance I believe that Democrats have to take on Hogan. He's wealthy. He's moderate. He's very likable, and I I think that he would be the best chance to take on John Delaney. But nonetheless, if you're John Delaney, are you any of the Democrats considering running against Hogan and you want to use the environment as a primary issue – Buddy, they just dis- – he just disabled you. I mean, it was like boom. It was NBA jams, boom shakalaka, you're out. Out. I,
2: it was Dikembe Matumbo saying, not in my house. That's right. Do we have Catherine with us now? Is that her
1: who was calling in?
0: Yes. Yes. Catherine. It's me. Please.
1: You need – <laughs> Why are you, you doing this no- when
0: Walking Dad is on? I don't understand. Did you –
1: did you want to recuse yourself from our conversation and return back <laughs> to The Walking Dead?
0: No, I'm I'm Be- taping it. Okay, well, <laughs> I'm so you, did, you did set it. your yes, VCR. Yeah, I set my yeah. VCR. I got the tape out. Yeah, it's running. I can hear it all the way from we ho- upstairs. See,
1: your a minor detail has now become your new Sunday evening refuge. So we appreciate it.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you you
1: need no I have introduction.
0: I've to you guys, and it's been, uh, it's been quite interesting. Yeah.
1: You Good need no introduction. You. Good
0: for you getting out you, and about, yeah.
1: You need no introduction, Catherine, but I want you to go ahead and introduce yourself nonetheless.
0: Okay. Catherine Hebrant, I publish an online uh, news site, com. I've been a reporter, columnist, radio host, uh, television host in Frederick County for probably longer than you've been alive. And you've also also
1: written one hell of a great article about Eric and I as part of a blog story back in September, which is sitting in front of me on my kitchen table. It's a centerpiece.
0: Oh, very nice. Okay. Why didn't you frame it?
1: Well, no, we are. Kim and I are going to frame it. We just have to figure out how we're going to do it. So I have to... (laughs) I have to uh, unspool the uh, uh, the pages, but it's so neatly. Comp- I, we're, that's for another topic. But tonight, let's talk. Um, let's talk about the the sale of the Frederick News Post and what's going on. What's going on with that? Because you came out and talked about this last week. So, what, sh- what say you?
0: Well, you know, I know they uh, they've been really challenged, like a lot of independent small newspapers have. They've been dying. Uh, in fact, I think there's a website that keeps a tally, like deadnewspapers.com, and, and it's, it's pretty sad, uh, quite frankly, because at a time when we really need um, newspapers, they're, you know, fading away. But, however, someone is purchasing them. They're not closing down. Ogden is a family-owned a group of uh, a family owned business that owns a group of newspapers. I think it's about 40 in various states. They're headquartered in Wheeling, West Virginia. Um, what I know about what's happening now, and even though they haven't dotted all the I's across the T's yet uh, on this sale, um, it's pretty likely that it's going to go through and the exchange is going to happen in late May or early June. So, What historically this particular group of newspapers does is come in and slash and burn from what I hear from a lot of former Ogden employees, including some people who had worked at the News Post as well, Um, you know, because they're in it to make some money. It's sad. I'm sad about it, uh, but I'm not really that surprised. I heard they had a broker shopping this thing, and at one point, Washington Post and Baltimore Sun were looking at it. I think that would have been horrendous. Um, I can't imagine that they would, you know, take much of an interest here. They can barely cover uh, anything in Montgomery County. And I also heard that Ogden wants to dip down into Montgomery County and pick up a market that's not being covered there. So that That would kind of be a smart move. But if you're going to cut your staff – if this is all speculation, I'm, you know, we don't know. Uh, if you're going to cut your staff and extend your uh, circulation area, it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. Well, as you know, so I mean, we're all looking forward to see what's going to happen with it.
1: Well, Catherine, as you know, when they cut the Gazette back in 2015, we lost a majority of our, you know, week day-to-day Montgomery County coverage, and that's
0: Absolutely. sorely lacking.
1: There is a yeah, major, absolutely. major, major hole in this market. The Washington Post can only do so much. Now, the Maryland Reporter attempts to cover this as much as they can, or to at least highlight, or um, to you know, kind of does what the Drudge Report does, and they just augment yeah, stories.
0: but they, but Ryan, they're not going to show up at the meetings. You know, they're not going to no, show up. No. And and here's the thing: you don't have you don't have reporters sitting in the seats at these county. Uh, meetings, these city meetings, you know, I mean, nobody knows. In fact, I went to talk to a church in Rockville a month or so ago, and people were lamenting the loss of local news and they were coming up. It was kind of sad. I mean, they're saying, Oh, well, you can look on this blog or you can go Mm -hmm. to the county's uh, website and get the agenda. And I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, how many people are really going to follow that religiously? And they're really missing a newspaper. I know that um, yeah. some Gazette reporters have pulled their resources for Maryland Matters, which is a nonprofit. And another uh, Gazette, a group of Gazette reporters are covering only Maryland. Uh, I think it's a weekly that they put out. And they're, they seem to be doing pretty well. So there's definitely uh, room for somebody to come in and provide more coverage in Montgomery County.
1: Catherine, my understanding is is that Ogden, does it have a conservative bent?
0: That's what they say. I haven't found anything. I did a little bit of research, but not quite a, not a lot. Um, <clears throat> that's what people who worked there previously, that's just from their perspective, that it was a uh, strong Republican bias and anti-union is what mm. one of the reporters who used to work there said. Now, you know, I don't know. I don't know the papers well enough. I'm not familiar enough to to make that to make that conclusion. I will say that for a time, Frederick News Post had a very Republican um, right wing oriented editor in Terry Headley, who came hmm. from West Virginia, the journal, and he's now at uh, the Hagerstown paper. <clears throat> so, you um, know, I mean, here- what does that even mean? I don't know.
1: Well, maybe it means that Eric Beasley will become a paper subscriber to the News, the Frederick News Post. Now,
0: <laughs> I thought yeah. Eric wasn't a Republican. I thought Eric was a Libertarian.
1: Yeah, well, I am. I, think I
0: just, yeah.
2: you know, it's. Catherine, it's it's you know when I just normally I'm a libertarian, but then when I come across a a commie, I go straight authoritarian right. Like okay, you don't know what
0: a communist is. I think you need to look that up. I think you need to look up the definition. I was listening to your show at the beginning. I'm like, here we go again. You guys don't know what these terms are. You're just throwing them around as you know red meat to your to your listeners here, calling people commies and socialists like it's some kind of horrible thing, but. I think you wait, don't really wait, wait, know Kate, what that Catherine,
2: means. Catherine, look, you want to know. See, the reason that I use that word is because of this. Okay. What the hell? I'm just. I, I'm a young pup. <laughs> okay. That's a, that's yes, a, that's you a very You're young Yes, you are.
0: younger Patrick than Stewart. my youngest child. That, yes, I know. That's that's a young pup. You remind Patrick me Stewart of that all the Kyle time. McLaughlin.
1: Okay. Yeah. Oh. Catherine, <laughs> uh, will you say. You, you were. You are free to leave after this segment, and we, which we really appreciate sure. your insight. I'm <laughs> free you to are leave, perhaps, okay. Yeah, you're free to leave. Um, um, <laughs> or as they said, what was uh, what was the, the famous line that um, uh, Joe Pesci said as um, uh, Vincent Gambini and my cousin Betty? Um, he looked at the guy that was sitting on the stand as his witness. He goes, I had mo- – your honor, I have no more use for this guy. Um and uh, but no, we do have <laughs> we we do have use for you. Oh but if you
0: want to stay with,
1: if you want to stay with us until the end, we're going until ten thirty. And I want to get to an uh, another two topics. Um, Eric and you guys Catherine. go for
0: it. I'm gonna I'm gonna bow out if you're done. Okay, with you. You, you go watch your You tell me when walk you're walking. done with me, and I'll, and now um yeah, I've got actually I'm getting a post up about Kirby DeLotta running for county executive. So I'm trying I to do Kirby that Dillard. and talk to you at the same time. There you go. It's going to be a fun race: Kirby the lotter versus I saw. Kathy of Zali versus who knows out, who who knows who else. So there you go. the
2: libertarian. Yeah. Don't forget the libertarian.
0: Yeah, that's that true. You, the libertarian. Who's that? I Is
3: don't
0: that know. Tony well,
3: well, no, oh, the Libertarian that's Eric for County
0: possibly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that could that could very well be. Well, fun times. We'll see. All right. <laughs> well, thank you so much,
1: Catherine, right. and we appreciate mm-hmm. your commentary.
0: All right. Take it well, easy. thanks for asking me. You guys have a good evening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: Eric, I uh, reported well, on Tuesday during, during our snow day um, on um, – I wish I could get to the commissioner's stuff, but that's going to take too long, and that's going to go way in depth. But nonetheless, Washington County hired this week a new county administrator, and the commissioners hired Rob Slocum and there's so much we could talk about because there's inside pieces to this that I've gotten the story. we got to save this one. But I reported on Tuesday um, about several Williamsport Elementary School parents have come forward with allegations that a physical, edu- a physical, physical education teacher, Andrew Bookman, um, is bullying their children. And, Eric, you've probably seen that, and that's been that's – we've got a
2: lot of hits out of that on our website
1: this past week.
2: Yeah, and and I also saw I saw both sides of the story. Apparently, one of the stories is that he's a bully, and the other story is that he's not a bully. Um, yeah, so I guess and that's what we put do at a minor detail. Aside. Yeah, flip a coin to figure out if this is true or not. I mean, you know, I you know personally, I just I don't know the guy. I don't know the details of the story. I can't base credibility off of anything solid. But what I can't, this is my first thought. He's a PE teacher, so I just have this really sneaking suspicion that. Some special snowflake was told they had to like you know walk at a brisk pace for a one lap around the track as punishment for doing something, and then they turned that into some big like oh my gosh, I'm getting bullied um sort of thing like that's my first thought when I see this story um I don't know if it's true or not, but well, uh
1: you know a lot of parents had talked to me off the record and have have told me that Mr. Bookman is a very aggressive, um, kind of a not so nice guy. He doesn't have patience and that he's just says things to the students that he really shouldn't say that he's demean kids, that he's taken for granted one of one student with asthma. it was It was a lot of allegations. And the most common was that he's just a very nasty, mean guy who shouldn't be a teacher. Now, the other side of the story is is that the current, PTA president, a good friend of mine, Jim Miller, had written me an email on Friday afternoon basically saying, look, I'm not with you on this. Um, you know, we've he was very nicely worded and I shared that on a minor detail and I want people to understand that um we're always going to give the t- two sides. Right, Eric? I mean, this is what we do. We're not going we're not going to sandbag people. We're going to give you the fair story on both sides.
2: Exactly, and so they, they're you. Basically, the information has been been presented. I mean, look, my PE teachers were kind of jerks, but like that's the whole point of PE. Like that's that's the closest thing that we have to like like mentorship and yeah. like turning boys into men. Like that's the closest thing we have for that anymore. <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I, I want my I want my kids' PE teacher to be a little bit of a jerk,
1: kind of an ass. You know, you know, rough them exactly. up a little bit and give him, give them yeah, a dose of the absolutely. real world.
2: Well like don't look, break anything, I, okay I don't know
1: <laughs> but I don't know this teacher I don't know anything about him i've I've heard that he's a is a really nice guy he's a good coach um, he's done a lot for the students um, and I've heard other horror stories from parents um, and my suggestion to the parents is talk to your principal um, if you don't get anywhere with the principal then talk to your a member of the school board, not Karen Harshman or Mike Gasford or Melissa Williams or Stan Stouffer. Um, so, <laughs> um, you know, talk to talk to a, a member of the school board, or you know, talk to the the, the interim superintendent, Dr. Boyd Michael, and explain that you have a problem. And if that doesn't work, then um, you know, we'll you go to the press. <laughs> I hate to say that, but that's just how it goes. But so I, I encourage parents that if if the behavior that you see in this teacher is not addressed or something doesn't change, fix it. Just you know, you can you have the control, you have the power. Um and our school system, they are indebted to the taxpayers and if you are a taxpayer you have a reason to complain. Um, so let's see, Eric, you, oh, Washington County Republican leaders, I wrote a piece last Sunday and I'm, and I won't dwell on this, but, um, they really need to grow a set. Uh, they have refused to take on Karen Harshman. You and I touched on this last Sunday, just a bit, but where has the central committee been? Where has any of these Republican officials come out and said, um, Karen Harshman is an epic waste Of taxpayer dollars. She is costing us more money, more money every single day to defend her indefensible comments that caused panic throughout our school system, saying that there are sexual predators on the loose. And that turns out that had been not true at all. She didn't substantiate her claims. And then she goes on to to, to just draw out this process through an administrative hearing. Now, on April 25th, the state school board will hear a hearing. She's going to be thrown off the school board, Eric. So why yeah. are we continuing to spend money on this woman when she could step down and resign? And where are the Republican leaders in Washington County to say enough
2: is enough? I have no idea. I haven't seen Jerry in a little while, so um, I'll ask him next time I see him, though. But yeah, I mean, this he's is, hiding. to me, look it, – it, Look, if this happened in Frederick County, like I would, this 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 would be gold, okay. <laughs> yeah. If if one of like if if here I'm <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna make Captain angry. If one of the communists on our school board, um, like pulled something like this, I mean, this would be like this would be like material for weeks, okay. Like yeah. that that's that, that's how that's how politics is supposed to work. When somebody <laughs> of the opposing party makes a serious mistake like this, like you hammer the crap out of it, all right. And this is something that you could. You know, I think, especially in a county like Frederick, I could use this for some pretty significant political change as far as elected representatives go. And so, I don't quite understand why Washington County is not capitalizing on this. Maybe they're yeah, waiting up. until the election's closer. That's a possibility, yeah, but you know, I would I would start now. It's not too soon to start now. I mean, Maryland GOP is already putting up billboards against Ron Gun for crying out loud. So obviously, and they should. It ain't too early to start. Yes, as they should. They're not good billboards, but they they gave it the old college try.
1: That's right, um, Eric. You're all right, and how dare you? Um, this is your last <laughs> show ever. So what is that? <laughs> I, I think you have a I think you have a troll on. You, you were doing your throw It four show, which by the way, everybody should listen to um, Eric's terrestrial show. Yep. Um, and some – was it John Miller Williams or something? What is his name?
2: I, I, I don't know. You know, see, here, here's – He had like 50 Yeah, some fake profile, you know, decided to complain. And, you know, some people basically take the approach of, oh, well, you know, I don't really – you know, let people say whatever they want. Well, you know, me, I guess I'm just a little more uh, – I guess I'm a little more petulant. I'm, I'm too much of a young pup. And so when people decide to say stupid, if people want to play stupid games, then they're going to receive stupid consequences. And so, I mean, that's just my opinion. If you want to go if you want to you know, make up some bull crap like, oh, alt will Eric Beasley or something, then just be just realize that I'm going to openly mock you in every way, shape or form that I can possibly think of odds are my wife's going to help me make the memes as she did this last time. And uh, <laughs> my friends are going to also create memes to mock how stupid you sound. And uh, that's just the way that it works. You know, if,
1: what uh, what so is the alt-right, Eric?
2: I still don't know. Um, so, okay, uh, let me rephrase. My friend Trish tells me that the alt-right is people like Richard Spencer who are actual legitimate like neo-Nazis like Race? Hitler Youth, like racist na- white nationalists, okay? Now, the problem is that there's probably like 200 actual people who are in public view that are actually alt-right, okay? And so the reality is is that this is a tiny little segment of the population, and Democrats realized that calling everybody racist, bigoted, homophobic, and, um, you know, transphobic didn't work anymore, so now they're just calling everybody alt-right. Um, this is the new replacement for saying that somebody's a Nazi. Okay, this is what emotional children do when they're when they're arguing <laughs> about politics behind their keyboards, you know, without the but without the without the balls to call in to a radio show. Is they just say, oh well, it's alt right. Okay, say, I mean, it's it's that simple, really.
1: Well, you know, I I think, yeah, I mean, first we have to define it, but everybody has a different definition of the alt right these days. Yeah, yeah, is is Breitbart given the alt-right a platform? Arguably, you could say yes. Um, I don't see too many of our friends on Facebook sharing Breitbart articles any longer. Do you, Eric? I don't
2: see it that much. Oh no, not really. But see, and he, now here's here's like a point of contention between me and Trish, for example. I use I use Trish because mm. she's pretty mo. I, I guess you could call her a left libertarian, um, maybe borderline anarchist in a lot of ways. Um, but like, so for 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 Trish, for example. You know, she thinks that Milo Yiannopoulos is all right, and I don't. I I disagree, but that's just a legitimate difference in opinion that both of us have.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so do, you know, I mean, is Milo is 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 uh, does he say ridiculous things to provoke people into a a response? Yes, and that that's by definition a troll. He's a he's a professional troll who. Um, yeah, well, so know, are is we. His,
0: um,
1: <laughs> um, well, I mean, okay. I mean, you could say that we're we're, yeah. I mean, we troll people uh, to get a response, but I don't know if we <laughs> we do it professionally like Milo, and we're nearly not nearly as good as he is. And I don't even use I don't even want to use good as in a, in a positive context or an endearing context. But I don't. I you I, I, I you think Milo's
2: great. He's a great troll. Yeah,
1: I, I don't like him. You like him. Um, I'm, I'm not a fan. But my issue is, Eric, like today when I was sitting at Ron Young's um, uh, his, his town hall and the guy behind me says, what are you going to Breitbart us? I mean, dude, why is it that everybody is so ready to box people into these nice little package generalizations? I can't stand that. Like, oh, you disagree with me, so you're a a right-wing Donald Trump nationalist supporter, and and that's just ridiculous, Eric, and it bothers me so much because people are so ready to overlook having an actual conversation to find out what someone's beliefs truly are. And is that lost in our current political climate?
2: Absolutely it is. Ryan, look, great example. Remember when we did the interview with Catherine on her show at WTHU? Um, yeah. She had asked us, you know, she basically asked you, like, what's, what is your opinion of Senator Michael Huff? And you were basically said he's a giant jerk. Um, yeah. She was surprised by that. Like, when I did my interview with her, she was surprised to basically hear which Republican officials I actually, you know, I actually liked and which ones I didn't like. And it's because both sides look at each other as this, like, monolith of, well, if you're a Republican, you automatically support every single Republican that is out there. That's actually part of a project. I'm actually working on a project with Catherine right now to help address that and essentially uh, make everybody more informed about, you know, kind of basically to educate people that, you know, the Republican party is not this giant monolith of like, you know, basically cult followers. Okay. That there, you know, there are, there are groups within the Republican party, just like there's groups within Democrats. And there's some groups that used to be Democrats and now they're Republicans and are, are Republicans now, and they're probably going to become Democrats. There's all kinds of, a variation in here and, and that it, it is something that's completely lost. Um, yeah. It's just intellectually being intellectually lazy is what a lot of these folks are. They just, they don't want to put in the time or the effort to actually listen. So therefore everything that I don't like is alt right.
1: I, yeah. I think it's destroying our, our political process. I wish we could go back to the days of the Buckley Gore Vidal, um, Debates that they had on Saturday morning or when um Milton Friedman would uh, do his um freedom to choose series and where he would take questions and have these intimate intellectual economic discussions that were so highbrow i so i I, I would support bringing that back, but everybody it, it, we're, we're now at the point where people are triggered by certain words colleges are are devoting. actual territory to creating what they call safe spaces for people um, who can't withstand intellectual discussion. And I just wish we could go back to the days of um, being you know, having the disagreements and discussing our issues without attacking one another, and I'm working on that myself. I and, and if I have to call bullshit on somebody, I'm going to call bullshit, and I'm not going to let somebody box me into any corner. And that's what the problem I think people find with us, Eric. They can't place us. They don't know where to put us.
2: Um, because yeah, we're, actually, we're, I've heard that from. I've heard that from a couple of my uh, more left leaning friends. Is that they, you know. And that's why they also listen to what we say, the ones that actually take the time to listen, you know, and have that conversation realize, like, oh, wait a second, like, they're not that bad. I may disagree with them, (laughs) but they're not trying to like, you know, they're actually not Hitler. (laughs) We
1: want we believe in 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 maximizing. Um, individual liberty. We believe that government should be limited to protect our life, liberty, and personal property, and we believe in protecting your civil liberties, and we believe that in the Tenth Amendment, and we, we support upholding uh, the Constitution and interpreting it as, as written. That's what we believe. So, um, you know, that's, that's where I stand. So, Eric, we really did cover plenty of topics, and I, I always appreciate... Our time on Sunday evenings. This is good. I'm going to turn this into a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are on iTunes. We are on Stitcher Radio. And Eric, I know you're probably working on some pieces for a MinorDetail.com. So.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. No, we, um, I got I got a few things in the pipe. I've got some. Uh, let good. me just say that a uh, business is closed in Frederick County. Business um, is I've
1: closed. Yeah. Okay. Well, Frederick County is so, no longer
2: open for business. Thank you, Jan Gardner.
1: Wow. All right. Well, with that, Eric, we appreciate your time. Um, thanks for listening. You can find us on the web at aminordetail.com. We're here every Sunday or whenever we feel like doing the show at uh, uh, blogtalkradio.com slash aminordetail. There's always something to talk about, and we're going to bring the news to you um, always with a little bit of libertarianism sprinkled in. So everybody, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be back soon. Take care, and good night.